The Digested Read by John Crace The Way by Swans by Marcel Proust For a long time, I went to bed early. For a very short time, I fooled people into believing I wrote in short sentences. Yet then, as I hovered in that indeterminate space between sleeping and waking... As after metempsychosis, thoughts of an earlier existence are unintelligible. The memory of my bedroom in Combray, with its pitiless quadrangular cheval glass, came flooding back, which is more than the servants did, whose absence seemed to emanate from a Merovingian past, leaving me to wonder, in my increasingly delicate health, whether Mamma would come to kiss me good-night before Monsieur Swann, whose red hair, cut Bresson-style, so contrasted with the icy pallor of the cocotte Odette, whose prolonged absences with Monsieur de Chalut you might have chosen for yourself before embarking on this book, for there is so much of insignificance written that, with its endless circumlocutions, you can safely ignore vast chunks of this. Arrived for dinner, a dinner of madeleine cakes, infused in tea, from which still clearer memories of my childhood, though refracted through a very adult voice, came racing back. Combray, from afar away, is no location for a writer steeped in the semiotics of Bergotte, whose desire to recreate through memory though one cannot say for certain, since memory informs our comprehension of ourselves and yet somehow obscures it, hiding our latency, our very identity, through an inability to discriminate between the trivial and the consequential, creating an epic, some say endless stream of consciousness that reminds me, as the fragment of the Vontae Sonata I caught through the very same window that, some years later, I was to overhear the violinist's daughter and her woman lover, the embodiment of evil, laughing at his death while walking along the way by Swan, to observe both the Hawthorns, to whom I sobbed, you are not the one who tried to hurt me, and the church's steeple which framed the village skylined, of the devotion of Francoise to Aunt Léonie, whose frailty more than matched my own, for it was her very hypochondria, not that one of my refinement would ordinarily stoop to use such a term, for the illnesses in our memory were of the gravest nature, such as those experienced by the greatest of Proustian Illuminati, Alain de Baton hastened her passing, and at whose funeral I was shocked to notice that the Duchesse de Guermantes, on whose beauty I had often had cause to dwell when inclined to partake of the periwinkles and forget-me-nots along the Guermantes path, was not quite so radiant as I had first imagined. And yet less time had passed between the imagination and the memory than I had thought though that may not be how it feels to you. Through the fissures of memory seeped knowledge of Swan's love affair, a passion that occurred some thirty years previously and which you might have imagined out of place within the confines of the narrative, yet such is the distortion of memory, a subject to which I will return in still greater distortions until the present memory is unrecognisable to the original 
a derangement that will allow even you to imagine you are following this and, stranger still, enjoying it, as one would perhaps derive enjoyment from the knowledge that someone is no longer hitting you. That I find myself remembering the petty bourgeois social gatherings of the Verdurin, observations of which, to the uninformed reader, will seem like the minutiae of social climbing, described with the name-dropping of the inveterate snob, yet which, to the literati, is a wonder of intricate remembrance and knowing self-deceit, where Odette, a regular guest herself, secured an invitation for Swan, despite his Jewishness, for the Vergeran liked nothing more than to widen their acquaintance with people they could patronise, and at that point they had no cognizance of his friendship with the Prince of Wales. For as yet also Swan had not fallen for Odette, as the Vergeran had made her peer less available than she truly was. But when he noticed her resemblance to Bellini Zippora, a painting on which I will digress for many pages. He believed himself in love, and that love was at first reciprocated, yet within months his visits went unanswered, and strange were the jealousies and memories that circled Swan's mind, that he could not quite accept that she had betrayed him with the Duc de Forcheval, and countless other lovers, of both male and female gender, despite the evidence and entreaties of his friend Monsieur de Chaloux, and it was only when the doctor's wife explained how Odette thought so highly of him that he came to his sense and returned to his circle of dukes and princes, while wondering how he could have been attracted to a woman so clearly not his type. The aural, emotional accretion of the Vante Sonata offered another opportunity to repeat the subjectivity of memory and, as I thought of Florence and Balbec, how at odds my impressions of them had been in contrast to my expectations. My mind recalled that when I travelled each day to the Champs-Élysées, wrapped in the desire to see Gilbert, whom I knew to be Swan and Odette's daughter, and lost in the intense solipsism that would mark my writing, unable to see that because I believed myself in love with her, it did not mean she loved me. And on those days she chose not to come, I felt bereft, a feeling that draws me back to the quotidian sense of futility I experienced in the Bois de Boulogne, a pointlessness with which you are surely now familiar. N'est-ce pas?